mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. Sean from Silicon Theory here, and tonight's episode is going to be all about foldables. With Google having recently launched their Pixel Fold device, and with Samsung's very recent announcement of their next generation foldables, as well as OnePlus getting into the foldable game, we thought it might be time to talk about what some of our favorite things about these new foldables are, what the future of foldables might be, and give us a first-hand user's review of Sean using his Samsung Z... Wait, no. Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 4. I think I said that right. Uh, with Sean giving us his opinion of having used his foldable device as his main phone for while he traveled overseas. So, without further ado, let's dive right in. Sean, how are you? I am good, my man. How are you? It's Thursday. I just got done seeing Barbie. Here we go. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how was it? Man, it was, it's pretty impressive from the perspective of that movie shouldn't have worked at all, and it should have been terrible, but um, the acting across the board is really, really good. Margot Robbie's unbelievable, and uh, why am I blanking on the guy's name? Um, Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling was also really good, and hey, look, it's not like the greatest movie I've ever seen or anything, but... <laughs> It was pretty good, like, and definitely worth seeing from just the perspective of the set design and the way it looked and all of the really good acting. So, yeah, hey, you know, for Thursday night, not bad. Yeah, and you'll get a chance to uh, contrast that when we go see Oppenheimer on Sunday. So the uh, Barbenheimer weekend uh, will be a little bit longer for you than it is for most people, but uh, we'll get a good opportunity to, well, you'll get a good opportunity to have seen both of the uh, blockbuster films of the summer. So I guess uh, we can go from there. Yeah, I think Oppenheimer is probably more my speed, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Checks out. So um, I'm going to try and find where are my notes here. So, yep, we've got, um, I reorganized the um, the agenda a little bit because I wanted to talk a little bit about the Samsung Unpacked event and what we got from the Fold and Flip 5 before we kind of use that as a springboard to talk about uh, your recent trip and your user experience, having used a Fold 4 as your mobile device while you were on holiday, as uh, the cool kids say. And then we can talk a little bit about the Pixel Fold, the OnePlus uh, foldable coming out, and then maybe kind of wrap it up with the kind of state of foldables midway through 2023. Sound good? Sounds like a plan. Okay, cool. So Samsung Unpacked, I watched exactly three video recaps. And what I took away from it was the Flip 5 uh, has some pretty nice improvements. The Fold 5 is pretty much the same, maybe except for um, it's using a Snapdragon um, 8 Gen 2 and uh, the display is like 750 nits brighter uh, on the inside than it used to be. Um, but is otherwise pretty much reusing the same hardware um, with the exception of the hinge. I guess the hinges have been redesigned now too. Um, and people are in general kind of excited for the Flip 5 and kind of meh on the Fold 5. What did uh, what did you take away from those things? I think you have it exactly correct. The main like attraction, so to speak, for the Fold 5 seems to be the new hinge. So it can fold completely flat without a gap, um, which is a nice improvement. Mine has a gap, although when you have a case on it, it basically takes up that space, so it's not so noticeable, but it's still a nice improvement. It's slightly thinner, and yeah, other than that, it's a chip update, and there's not a whole lot else going on there, so I think the prevailing wisdom seems to be if you have a Fold 3, or certainly if you have a Fold 4, it's a pretty minor upgrade, to say the least. Uh, if you have a Fold 2, maybe you're kind of looking at this a little more and it would make sense to move up. But it, it's kind of a, a bummer. Um, I've had the 2, 3, and 4. So Fold 2, 3, and 4. And uh, they're pretty similar in a lot of ways. They, they, they were kind of improving from generation to generation. But this one seems to be a very small move. And I think Samsung hasn't really had much of a reason to iterate hard they're the only 
book style fold in the United States up until the pixel fold launched like a month ago. So in all of those years, they've really not had competition there. That may explain a little bit why they've taken the path that they have, but a very minor, very iterative upgrade. No batteries, the same cameras are the same. Um, yeah, not a lot going on. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that kind of that you point out the fact that Samsung may have been really iterative with this update because of the fact that there isn't a lot of pressure on them in the U.S. market, anyways. And we'll we'll dive into the pixel foldness a little bit. But I'm glad you brought up the hinge because although I remembered that um, they had designed it, they went from whatever the hell it was they had before to this new teardrop style hinge, which does allow it to kind of click together satisfyingly in in a much better way. Um, I think kind of, and we've had some conversations about this in the past with the, um, the note series, right? Like they kind of rested on their laurel Samsung that is kind of rested on their laurels a little bit, a few years and didn't really do much. Now they also didn't increase the price. So you're essentially getting kind of like, you know, in Apple's parlance, you're getting the, you know, the S series, uh, version where you get a, you know, kind of that TikTok cycle where you have one that's really kind of pushing the envelope forward and, and has some of their innovations and advancements. And then the second version or the next generation is kind of the um, refined or revised version, which kind of improves on the, you know, the, the little niggles that were um, kind of talked about in the previous generation. So I think that, I don't know, I, I, I really did strongly consider doing a pre-order and I might still do a pre-order of a Fold 5. I don't have a foldable Fold right now. Um, I think I sent you uh, in chat the other day when I told my wife that I was thinking about pre-ordering a new phone. She's like, well, what's wrong with your phone right now? And my answer was, well, it doesn't fold. And when you have seen and have used a foldable phone and in looking at the videos of the the Fold 5, it, it does seem like there is a lot of extra functionality there, a lot of usability there that can be gained from going from a non-foldable device to a foldable device. And... I'm and, and as we talk a little bit more, I'm not going to touch too much on the on the flip uh, on the flip side of things. Um, although if you're interested in you know kind of jumping into the foldable space instead of spending seventeen ninety nine, eighteen hundred dollars, you can just just spend a thousand and get Samsung's flip phone, which um, the flip five with its larger cover screen and the more usability of the lock screen widgets and stuff like that. It looks like it's a lot more. Um, usable than previous generations have been, so I'm, I was excited to see them kind of pushing forward there. Um, but we, one could argue that you know because of Motorola's success with their flip phone, or at least engineering success. I don't know about sales or critical success, but uh, Motorola has been doing a lot of cool things with the Razer, and I think that's kind of where Samsung had to kind of feel the pressure and do some things with their Flip Five device. Um, but predominantly, I think the Fold is probably their biggest seller, and it's interesting that they just didn't do a lot with it this year i think actually it's the opposite i believe the flip outsells the fold by like three or four to one i actually think it outsells it by quite a lot because it's so much less expensive cheaper so yeah so i think the flip line is the the kind of sales champ and it's the more interesting product this year to me it also gets the same improved hinge so it folds completely flat with no gap but they increased the size of the external front screen to 3.6 inches from, I think it was 1.9 before. Um, I'm, I may be blanking on the number. So it's considerably larger to the point of you can really use it to do a lot of things. And in addition to the widgets, I was watching uh, Mr. Vogel's hands-on. Yeah, I saw Fisher's it, one too. It, it, it is set up. You have to use GoodLock to get to it. So it's a good lock module, but you can use any application on the front screen fully that you want to use. So at that point, that becomes a very interesting product to me because if you, you know, you get the portability and the smallness of the, you know, flip, but that front screen is big enough that if you want to run a full screen messaging application or something else on there, you can do it without having to open it up um, as frequently. And, and that's, that's interesting to me. And it, I, I think, you, to the point that you were making, the reason that they probably felt compelled to make larger changes to that line is definitely, I think, the, the Moto Razor doesn't sell nearly as many units, but the Moto Razor Plus this year is really interesting. I mean, it has a full front screen, even larger than the 3.6 inch that Samsung's doing. And, you know, first, 
Dragonfly is the same. Um, it's using the Snap, Snapdragon Gen 1 Plus, so it's not using the 2. And its cameras aren't as good, which I think is the main kind of weakness if you're looking for one. But otherwise, it's very competitive. And so I, I think, you know, in that space, Samsung probably had to push harder because if you were, if they had left it the same as it was last year, if you look at a Flip 4 versus the Razer Plus, they look a full generation apart. Um, whereas I think the, the gap, you know, the, the Flip 5 and the Razer Plus look pretty similar. Uh, and they each have some pros and cons. I, the the resolution on the Razer Plus front screen is higher, and the refresh rate is higher on the inside, I believe, as well. Um, but the cameras on the um, Flip 5 are better, and the it has the Gen 2 processor, which is you know the newer processor. So it's also a lot less expensive. My son, uh, full disclosure, has a Flip 4 um after stacking some discounts on the pre-order bonus, it was $44.99 before tax to upgrade his phone. Tax in California is expensive. I think it ended up being $135. Bucks, but to upgrade at that price is a no-brainer. Um, I looked at upgrading from the full 4 to the 5, and even if you stack things, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood after taxes of, I don't know, it was like, I think the lowest I could get it down to is $800 or so, $900. Yeah. Um, so to me, it's a little bit less. I think the difference from the full four to the full five, full five, excuse me, is such that I didn't make the leap. But I'm kind of excited to get my son. He's getting the navy blue color flip five, and I'm excited to see it and check out the new screen and uh, on the external. And it, 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 I think it will do well because there's carrier incentives and Samsung has aggressive trading, so it really isn't that expensive to get into that if you're interested in the folding bug. Yeah, and, and I can see what you're saying that, you know, the from an approachability standpoint, you know, cheaper is better. So maybe the flip style device does sell. I, I, I after having looked at and seen, because I know a couple people now besides you that have, you know, folding devices and primarily Samsung, you know, fold fours. And I, the use case there, and, and we'll talk a little bit about what your experience is like in just a second, but having, you know, the, the flip seems like a different use case than somebody who's going to use the Fold 5 or the Fold 4 for that matter. From a, a productivity standpoint, from a content consumption standpoint, like when you flip the flip open, that sounded weird, but when you flip the flip open, it's basically just a big candy bar phone. It, it is pretty much the exact same thing. It's a phone that shrinks down, not a small phone that gets a big tablet device. And we've talked about this in the past, right? So there's a, a little bit of a different um, kind of mentality and a different mindset when you're using those two phones. And I, I would think that the Fold would be more popular simply because you can do a lot more because people buy and, and own tablets like the iPad is so ubiquitous it's it's its own category now so I would think that there would be a market for having you know something that could replace a tablet but it may be using that as the segue you know what was your experience while you traveled recently abroad using the Fold 4 as your primary phone did you use it mostly in the ridiculous, what is it? Is it 22 by 9 or 23 by 9? What's the aspect ratio of the 23 answer? 23 by 9, okay. I think. Did you use it mostly in that ridiculous 23 by 9 aspect ratio? Did you use more of the inside 7-inch display? Did you use it equally? Talk to me a little bit about the use cases of taking a foldable phone on holiday and having to do what you did with it. So I would say... I probably, if you broke it down, used it more with the, in, on the smaller screen. Um, but I say that only because I find when I'm taking pictures, I tend to take, it, take pictures when it's folded. So I don't unfold it when I'm taking pictures. I, I think it's kind of weird. It's like when people carry around an iPad and they're like recording something. It always seems strange to me. No, no, that's perfectly um, normal behavior. There shouldn't be anything yeah. strange. We need to normalize that. But, you know, so... As I mentioned, I've had the Fold 2, Fold 3, and Fold 4. And here's what I would say about them in general. They're great from the perspective of if you're looking something up or looking at information or you want to pull up a map when you're on vacation or do something, you have a ton more real estate to work with. And it's easier, too, if you want to split screen an app or you have, like, a map up and you're also looking up information, you can do that. Uh, and it really shines from the perspective of, 
I have a tablet too. I have a Tab S8 Ultra that I took with me and that I use on the plane and for watching movies or whatever. But in day to day use, it's just so nice to, to pull out the fold and you know unfold it and have the extra screen real estate. Um, the cameras are not and have never been as good as the like Ultra line, uh, you know, whatever the S Ultra is. It doesn't have a periscope camera. The sensors are usually at least a generation behind. But having said that, I've never found the pictures to be anything other than really, really good. Uh, we've talked about this at length. I, I think between Samsung, Google, and Apple, they all do processing different. A lot of it is just his preference. Samsung really brightens things up. And sometimes that means the pictures aren't as true to life. But I, the pictures usually look great. And I'm not a professional photographer, so these deep, these minute details that people pick out between the different manufacturers don't mean a whole lot to me. So for me, totally fine on vacation. I use it to take pictures almost exclusively on this recent trip. I took something like 1,600 pictures and never had a problem. So um, from that perspective, it's great. Battery life is fine. It's kind of interesting. I, I was watching again Mr. Mobile's video yesterday. He was saying the battery life on his Fold 4 is terrible. This may just be a matter of use cases. For me, my battery life's really quite good, but my use case may be unique. Um, I stream music and podcasts on the way to work and at work. We have Wi-Fi at work, so I'm running off of that. And then, you know, I'm not using the screen a ton during my workday. And then at home, I'm using the screen more. So my battery life, my battery is fine. I very rarely get below forty percent. So I don't have the same issues he does. But again, my average daily screen on time is probably lower than most people, and I have the luxury of being able to use Wi-Fi during the day. Um, the thing that's kind of maybe most interesting about the Fold experience through the generations for me is the thing that Samsung really excels at versus the others is the software. It's all of these things you can do. You can have floating windows, and you can have all these apps open, and you can do all of these different things. And I bluntly do not use that that much, and maybe other fold owners do, um, but I don't. My The main appeal to me is just having a much larger screen to interact with whatever I'm doing on, doing with it is great. I occasionally split-screen apps. There, there's definitely utility there. Um, but really the, the attraction is just having a much larger screen to work with when I'm looking at content, be it video or web pages or Reddit or whatever. Um, it's, it's just nice to have all that extra real estate. It makes it easier to do things. And <laughs> it, I see a lot of people using the S10. I have an S10 that I got with this one. I've never used it. It's in the box. I don't really know what I would use it for, but same thing when I had my Galaxy Notes. I didn't really use the SNN much either. So, you know, for me, I've really enjoyed having the devices, um, but they come with some caveats. And in no particular order, those are um, my Fold 2 had a dead pixel and I had to have the screen replaced. No, no trouble doing it. It was covered under warranty, no questions asked. It was easy. Took it to you, break, I fixed it. They fixed it in a couple hours, no big deal. Uh, my Fold 3, the screen protector peeled. And at the time, I actually took to a Samsung store, and they replaced it, and they didn't charge anything, but the replacement job was pretty mediocre, and, um, it, you know, it was a nuisance because the closest Samsung store isn't that close. And on my full floor, on my most recent vacation, on the second to last day in Paris, it's, well, I was in a museum, and I went to unfold it, and it folds out to about 150 degrees and then stopped unfolding. And uh, I ran something fine, you know, a piece of paper through the hinge and some thread started coming out, black thread. And uh, then a piece of plastic came out that's apparently part of the hinge mechanism. So the hinge broke. Um, but again, you know, it's not great that it broke, but I took it to an Assurian, which is a U-Break iFix. They, they use different names depending on where you go. And um, took it in, no questions asked, replaced the screen, replaced the hinge. It took two hours I paid zero dollars it was very painless um, but you know that, that means all three of them have had something that you had to deal with that you might not have to deal with on a normal candy bar phone and the other thing that's probably two things I would say cases are more expensive and require like adhesive to really keep them on in my experience 
And so, you know, it's not unusual for a case costing $50, $80, which is outrageous for a, a normal phone um, for these. And uh, it's heavy and thick. And so, you know, if you're someone that, you know, you have pockets and you're wearing jeans or whatever predominantly and you can toss them in. They fit in shorts. It's not like, you know, a big deal. But they're definitely, it's, it's a heavy device. They all have been. Um, and it's definitely thicker. And you notice that. Uh, again, for me, it's, the upsides are worth that, um, but it's not a trivial difference. Although I will say my wife finally switched to an iPhone this year, and she has an iPhone 14 Pro Max, and it is every bit as heavy as my folding phone, which I don't know how that's possible, but it, it is. It's a, it's a chunk as well. So, um, yeah, overall, I, I think I would find it hard to go back to a normal you know, candy bar style phone. Non-folding um, phone. Non-folding phone. But also I would say for most people, I think unless you have some very specific use cases, you're predominantly getting a fold for the extra real estate or because it's something novel. Or, you know, if you're an S-Pen person or someone who's doing productivity stuff, then it's great. Um, if you're someone who's just more interested in a folding phone, I think the flip's a better form factor for you because, first of all, the the cost of entry is way lower, and also you, you get the experience that without a lot of the downsides, the cases are less expensive. It's not as big and heavy, and uh, you know, again, you can kind of check it out and see if you like it without spending nearly as much money. And uh, yeah, that, that's where I kind of land on it. I, they're they're still, you know, I don't think they're for everyone. I I, they, I really like them, but they're expensive. And if you're into the upside that I'm listing off, then great, go for it. I certainly wouldn't talk you out of it, but I think you should go in with an understanding of some of the, the differences and it's going to be a little bit more expensive. And then, uh, you know, if, if those things don't appeal to you, the you know, like an S23 Ultra is awesome and has actually better cameras um, and has some advantages, uh, like an integrated S Pen, if that's your thing. So it really depends on what you want. But, uh, you know, I really like mine. Um, I think I've kind of told you this. We'll, we'll talk about kind of what phones I'm looking at in the future. I, I'm not, I'm about 99% sure at this point I'm not going to upgrade to a Fold 5 and Part of that, I think I'm penalizing the product a little bit because it's so similar to three phones that I've had in a row. Um, we actually fair. saw today it leaked out some of the various prototypes that Samsung was looking at. Oh, yeah. That had different aspect ratios uh, and one that actually had an integrated S Pen. And it's, it kind of made me sad in a way. I'm sure we'll probably get something different next year, but I was looking at those prototypes and I'm like, that's what I want. Um, they showed a they had a 23.9, 23 23.9, I think is what this one is. Then there was a 22.9, a 21.9, and then a 19.5 to 9 front screen. And kind of looking at the four, a lot of people seem like the 21.9. I would actually go the 19.5 to 9 front screen uh, if it were me. I don't, I wouldn't mind it if it was a normal with phone. Um, but those things would have been more interesting to me. I wish, I wish they had done it. But that may just be because I've had this form factor for three years now and it's a little bit stale for me. And even looking at something like the Pixel Fold, which I think we're going to talk about next, I, I find that that aspect ratio where it opens up kind of horizontally instead of vertically, so to speak, um, is something I would be really interested in trying. And I, I'm, I find myself looking at the phones that do that and wondering if that may make more sense in the long term because it gives you a wider front screen, uh, but you still have the utility of the larger screen in the middle when you open it up. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, these are not bad products. Samsung, I've, I've enjoyed all three of the folding phones that I have had despite some of the issues that I've had. And, you know, it, for the people worried about them being more maybe not as tough as a normal phone, despite the challenges that I've had, they really seem to be pretty robust. I, I think the dead pixel was at the bad luck. I had a dead pixel on a, you know, Nexus 6 too. Um, the, the full three had no issues except for the peeling screen protector and 
you know, whatever happened with the hinge and the fold floor, I'm not sure. The hinge was a little funny from the day I got it. It made like a noise when I first got it and was always not quite as smooth as my other two, but there's some variability in, from unit to unit. And I just thought that maybe this one wasn't as nice as the others, but maybe in hindsight it just was, you know, a lemon from the beginning as far as the hinge was concerned. So I, for you, Sean Spring, you know, as long as you go in and you know what you're dealing with, I think you'd really like a full tide. They're, they're they're great phones. Yeah, and you bring up a couple of points, and and we'll use that kind of as the segue to kind of talk about the differences between how Samsung approaches their folding, or at least the fold folding device, and what the Google um, what Google did with their Pixel Fold device. But I wanted to kind of highlight a couple of things. That one, you know, there's not a ton of these out in the wild, kind of like you said, but each one of yours has had some type of issue. And I think that that speaks to Samsung's, you know, one, let's just, you know, call a spade what a spade and, and say that these are incredibly complex and complicated devices. And so the fact that Samsung is able to produce them at all at any scale is, is truly a remarkable achievement. So give them kudos for that. Um, you know, and a dead pixel happens screens. And that was, you know, the very earlier, you know, maybe the earliest, one of the earliest generations of that device. The adhesion on the screen protector and the hinge being kind of janky from the jump uh, on the next two kind of worry me a little bit more than the dead pixel does. But I do think that it, it is worth pointing out that, you know, you've, you have had one of, you know, maybe just a couple million of these phones that were sold in the United States. And, you know, either you got really, really unlucky or, you know, there may be more problems just kind of keeping this device, um, uniform uh, more certainly than there would be with just a standard candy bar phone with a lot less moving parts and a lot less um, you know screens that fold um, although I will mention that um, you know you shared that uh, Twitter link with me oh sorry I shouldn't call it Twitter I should call it X now the dumbest thing ever uh, you shared that X link with me that um, that showed all the prototypes with the different aspect ratios. And I think my first thought, and I, th I, I sent you a reply and I said, why, why didn't, why was it 19 and a half by nine or why wasn't the 19 and a half nine aspect ratio chosen? Because it's clearly the right choice. And you're like, yes, that is correct. Because it does the outside screen of the fold four and the fold five and the three for that matter too. the, the really tall skinny aspect ratio there just does seem like it would be very difficult to do anything other than maybe just take pictures, which is kind of like just mash the big shutter button and call it a day. Like typing on the front screen seems like kind of a bear. Um, like watching content on it seems like kind of a bear. And so I would think that Samsung might have, um, you know, done some market research or maybe at least talked to some people about different aspect ratios and, and maybe it would have been too much in R&D to, you know, to re-engineer everything. Um, but that is exactly what Google did with the Pixel Fold was they went more with what I think is commonly referred to as the passport style device. It's kind of wide in the hand instead of tall and skinny. And as it folds open, it does open in what would traditionally be thought of as a landscape orientation rather than the fold, which kind of has like that portrait up and down um, uh, orientation. And there's, there's a, a lot to like about the Pixel Fold. It is a first generation device. It's a first generation product. Um, but I think I, I was definitely afraid it was going to get panned by pretty much everybody. And even Ron from Ars Technica had some really positive things to say about it. And, you know, The Verge said, hey, this is a first generation device, but it does show promise. It actually kind of harkens back to, and I looked up the original um, OG Google Pixel and Pixel XL reviews. Uh, the Verge used the exact same wording uh, in in the review of the Pixel XL and the Pixel Fold um, to, to kind of describe um, the promise of Google's entry into this new category. Uh, other than maybe the gigantic bezels around the inside of the device and potentially you know, some battery life and um, banding issues on the inside display. It seems like Google, again, is kind of cautiously optimistic about their ability to produce these devices in this new category. And um, it, it's really intriguing. I, I'm hesitant, very hesitant, in fact, to spend as much money as I would spend on a Fold 5 for a first-gen product, especially a first-gen product from Google, because, you know, Google has a habit of making stuff and then not supporting it in the long run. But 
when you saw the Pixel Fold, and I mean, we knew the leaks about Google launching a foldable phone, I think came out as, <laughs> as late as last year. So everybody was pretty much expecting this to happen. But what were some of your first impressions and what were some of your first thoughts about Google producing a device that's kind of the same but different from where Samsung has been with this? I, I really like the Pixel Fold, despite the fact that it, you know, it, it looks, especially the inside screen, like a couple generations behind the current, you know, Z Folds from Samsung. But I, I think generally speaking, we've, we've seen a couple of these foldables come out that have this style aspect ratio in the Fold. The um, Oppo Find M2 last year kind of brought out this passport style. And Google, I think, kind of took that and ran. And I, you know, I probably have to use it for a while to really know definitively which one I prefer. But I think that the having a larger front screen like that with a more normal aspect ratio and opening into, you know, landscape um, seems like the way to go to me. I, I think that... There are benefits. You said earlier the the screen on the front of the Fold Five was you know small to the point of unusable, and I would say on the Fold Two and Three, there was some truth to that. There was pretty limited use. They they did make it larger on the Fold Four, and the the difference in width was not major, it was a couple millimeters, but it was enough to make it a lot more usable. Just for like text messages, I don't have to open up my phone. If I'm just Googling something real quick in a browser, it's no big deal. Um, I can surf on Reddit on my front screen, and, you know, it's fine. Um, it's better with the screen open, but if I'm just doing something for a few minutes and I want to use the front screen, it's definitely usable. I think the, the Google solution on the Pixel Fold is much more – you could use the front screen almost exclusively probably if you felt like it, it would feel like a normal small phone uh, because, the, because the aspect ratio is, you know, normal. Yeah, we, we talked a little bit about the prototype for the Fold 5 being much better at 19, 19 and a half by 9. Uh, a quick Google search tells me that the Pixel Fold's outside 5.8 inch display is actually a 17.4 by 9 aspect ratio, which is probably even wider than the traditional phone's aspect ratio today. Um, but certainly makes that outside display much more usable, m makes it feel much more like a regular phone um, and and probably would be a deciding factor for some people. Just to give a point of comparison, my Pixel 7 has a 20 by 9 aspect ratio. So it's even wider than a standard Pixel, which, you know, again, the, the Pixel Fold is a freaking heavy phone. Um, it's heavier than, um, than even the, uh, it's heavier even than the fold four and the fold five. So it, it's definitely kind of a chunk. Um, and I heard you before when you said that, you know, if you're too weak, don't buy a folding phone because these are heavy phones and you're not going to be strong enough to hold them. But the, um, the, the idea of a folding phone that actually has a traditionally usable outside display uh, is super intriguing to me. And that's one of the reasons why I was really interested in the Pixel Fold, aside from the fact that I'm really heavily invested in um, the Google ecosystem. And, and I like the Pixel product in particular. I, much like you, I've owned um, all but one of the Pixel phones. And that was only because the Pixel 4, uh, which some inexplicably, some people seem to love, but I considered it to be an abomination. Um, you know, I, I've had every Pixel and they're great. The cameras are great. And the Pixel Fold just because it's so new and obviously again you know the biggest barrier to entry for most people as you've already touched on is going to be that huge price point but um, I, I really liked what Google did here and I really liked that it's a landscape orientation when you fold open that phone um, I didn't like that some of the apps or well, a lot of the apps because it's a new phone aren't optimized with the exception of Google's owns with Google's own apps um, but it it really was it, it's interesting and if it wasn't for the fact that it was eighteen hundred dollars I might even have it right now but um, it's just, it's yeah. something, I don't know what it is, but it's something. No, but it, it's got some cool stuff. I mean, look, it's, it's thinner than any fold, um, both when it's folded and unfolded and it does weigh a ton, but it has a larger battery, which is nice. Although the Tensor G2 is not as, uh, uh, maybe solid 
installed on battery as the Snapdragon HN2 is. But no, it's not going to be as efficient. There's yeah, there's almost no way it would be. But yeah. But no, I I really like it. It's a neat product. Yeah, I think that the internal screen, the way that they set up their hinge, and there's pros and cons of this, but. It has a fairly large bezel on the inside that certainly makes it look less refined compared to the folds. Uh, it has the camera integrated into the bezel on the inside, though, so you don't have either a punch hole or a you know under screen camera that's not great like the um, folds have. Yeah, it's pretty and, bad. Uh, and their hinges, their hinge system is kind of unique with the way it is. It's like it it kind of moves up into the top, so it they were able to. Having that larger bezel made it so that when you have it folded up and, and whatnot, it's, you know, they still have the water resistance and all of those things. Um, yeah, I think for first generation Google products, it's really nice. I think their camera is probably better than the fold camera system overall, so they're already ahead there. And they, from a software perspective, the fold as folds have more tricks uh, that they can do and more things that are made just for you know folding phone form factor more software stuff but i really like pixel software better i like the way it looks better the aesthetic and just kind of the continuity and the things that it does so i i think you make a real plausible argument for both it's it's kind of weird it's like the fold five is by far the more, I mean, really just from a straight like numbers or specs perspective, it's pretty clearly ahead, but I saw my, Max um, Weinbach, who got one recently, and he said, objectively that's true, and yet he would still recommend the Pixel having used both as a primary phone. And, you know, you mentioned Ron on Ars Technica, he's not an easy review, and he liked it as well. So, you know, it seems like a pretty solid product, and probably in another generation or two, as Google refines it, it's. I think it'll be a pretty serious competitor. It, it probably kind of already is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think in in some ways, like you said, I, I think that Samsung didn't really feel the need to push forward because you know this phone was already in R and D before um, the Pixel phone was or Pixel Fold was launched and so they probably didn't feel the need and also it's a first generation device so I don't know that anybody but the hardcore Google enthusiasts are going to really try and um, take a chance on it um, and even The Verge said like the aspect ratio on the inside that that landscape versus portrait can kind of be annoying for some things especially for the apps that aren't optimized because you just get these big black borders around the side unless you actually rotate um the device 90 degrees which makes it more in line with the fold 4 and fold 5's uh, orientation which is what because it was pretty much the only game in town in the united states uh was what everything was optimized for so uh, i'm like i said i'm cautiously optimistic for the pixel fold i'm hoping that google decides to keep going forward with that device and with that form factor and i hope that they don't do what they did from the OG Pixel XL to the Pixel 2, which is essentially, you know, kind of downgrade in some ways. And um, like that Pixel XL is still one of my favorite all-time phones. Like it's easily top three along with my current Pixel 7 and the Pixel 5. Um, it had a great display, even though it was LCD. It, you know, had the gigantic bezels, but it, it really was you know, an amazing camera. They did some really cool stuff with the software image stabilization. And it looked like kind of the jumping off point for Google really doing some terrific stuff with phones. And they and they did, but it was more on the software side than it was on the hardware side. And Google has, a, a t I was going to say, a tendency and a history and came up with tistery, which isn't even a word, but uh, they do have a tendency to have a history of launching something that seems like, hey, this is pretty good. They just need to tweak it and, you know, fiddle around the margins. And then the next thing you know, it's going to be great. And then just kind of regressing and going backwards from there. But um, I guess we'll see the next, you know, first world problem to have is which $1,800 phone do I really want to think about buying? But I may just skip everything this year. I really love my Pixel 7. I do. It's a great phone. Um, and Google's really had quite a bit of time to optimize this style and design of phone to have it do everything that I need to have my phones do. Um, although I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, when I told my wife, you know, the only thing wrong with my phone right now is that it doesn't fold. You know, I wasn't lying. Like I really would like to have a folding phone, especially 
um, you know, one in the vein of the Fold 5 or the Pixel Fold, but it seems like there are rumors, whispers in the ether that there might be another OEM that's going to come out with a folding device. And this one has seemingly captured your attention because it is going to be wildly different. Tell me what you know about the OnePlus folding phone. So OnePlus, if the rumors are all correct, will unveil their folding phone on August 29th. Uh, they're going to call it the OnePlus Open uh, as opposed to Fold. So they're going a different direction. Edgy, I like it. Basically, from what we can, what we know, because we've seen re- leaked renders and the specs have leaked out, um, the parent company for OnePlus is Oppo, and they've made some of the better folding phones over the last few years. They made the Find N2 that we were talking about last year that was more of that passport style. It had a water drop um, hinge that really made the crease a lot less noticeable than you know the current Samsung. So. Uh, what we're looking at this year is uh, their phone is rumored to have a 7.8 inch internal display, which is a little bit larger, larger than yeah. the 7.6 inch of the uh, Pixel Fold and the um, Fold 5. Um, 120 hertz, 2K resolution. The cover is 6.3 inch, 120 hertz. So that's the same size as the uh, Fold 5, but the aspect ratio is like completely different it's going to be more again we don't know exactly what the numbers are yet doesn't sound like but it's going to be more like the pixel fold aspect ratio it sounds like um snapdragon gen 2 16 gig of ram 256 gig of storage as a base at least uh 4800 milliamp hour battery so again slightly larger than the fold 5 um 67 watt charging which is compared to the Samsung's 25 watts is nice wireless charging. And then the cameras are a maiden ultra at 48 megapixels and then a telephoto at 64. And it has a, um, telephoto lens. It's three X. Um, so it's on paper, um, actually matches either of the either other two and really kind of exceeds me in some ways and i was actually laughing as we're kind of putting this together um ice universe our cat friend on our cat overlord the artist formerly known as twitter tweeted uh you guys can wait for the Oppo find in three aka one plus open it will be available globally and avoids almost all of the flaws of the fold five its screens are 6.3 and 7.8 just a bit bigger than the fold five but not particularly has narrow bezels. So you can hold it nicely while enjoying a more normal outer screen rather than the misshapen Samsung. (laughs) Um, In addition, it has a periscope camera that is far stronger than Samsung, the strongest among foldable phones, stronger than mixed fold three and the strongest speaker that we have yet known, which I don't know what that means. Um, I'm assuming he means in a folding phone because I'm willing to bet there are speakers that are louder than whatever's coming in this phone, but I wouldn't take that um, bet because I think you'd be right. But it appears that this is a pretty serious competitor. The fine phones and Oppo phones in general are every bit as good as the you know contemporaries from Samsung and Xiaomi and Apple, um, but they don't come to the United States typically. And so it sounds like this is a rebadged OnePlus version of the Find N3, and this is probably what I'm going to pick up this year. Uh, as I said, I, I think I'm, the form factor of the folds is kind of not um, is interesting for me anymore. I'd like to try something with a wider front screen. Uh, it sounds like the cameras are more flagship level. And as far as everything else is concerned, it kind of checks all the boxes of the things that I'm looking for. So I'm probably going to pick one of those up and give it a shot and kind of see what, you know, what it's like for a year and then see if Samsung come back next year with a fold six and then kind of reevaluate. But at least the United States now will have three of these book style folding phones. And if nothing else, I think that should keep the pressure on, you know, Samsung to do more um, and should keep Google kind of pressing forward. I think they have an excellent first generation product, but it sounds like this one plus foldable is going to be pretty legit based on everything we're hearing so far 
Yeah, and it's going to be a first-generation product too. But I think you know, you and I have both owned um, OnePlus phones. I've owned multiple OnePlus phones, in fact. Um, and OnePlus is essentially Oppo's, you know, kind of, you know, Western U.S. you know b- version of their brand to kind of bring it to a more global market or at least a more Western market, I guess I should say. And, and they've, you know, they've they've had some pretty well-known and well-received devices. They're the kind of knock on them is that you know they started out as kind of the scrappy underdog with the cheap flagship phone, you know, the flagship killer at one ninety nine with the OnePlus One. And, um, you know, now pretty much they're at parity with most of the other flagships in terms of the product they deliver and the price that they charge for it. Um, but I've enjoyed the OnePlus devices that I owned. In fact, the, I think it was the, what the hell was it? I think it was one of the OnePlus 7 devices. It was um, the T. Yeah, the 7T. That's what it was. Uh, I really liked that phone, in fact. And I think I ended, did I end up selling it to you? Told to my sister-in-law. Yeah. Um, yeah. After I, I think I got one of the Pixel devices after that, I was kind of loath to give it up because I really liked that phone too. It was fast. The camera was, you know, decent enough. That was kind of OnePlus's, um, you know, biggest downfall in the previous generations with their cameras weren't that great. You could do some tweaking with it. And, you know, if you, you know, if you know Android and, and hack enough Android, you can find some camera mods that'll actually, uh, the Gcam mods back in the day were using Google's processing on that hardware. So, um, you could get some decent pictures out of it. So, you know, the, I think that they've got a chance. And, you know, again, this is a first-gen product. What was the – was there any rumor of the price? Did they talk about what they're going to charge for this thing? I've seen 1499 being thrown around. See, 1499 would be a nice undercut. Uh, again, you know, kind of in their flagship killer style days. Because uh, certainly it's $400 cheaper than both of the Samsung and the Pixel Fold offerings. And the hardware seemed to be superior. Now, they clearly don't have the same kind of name recognition that Samsung does. Not even They probably don't even have the name recognition that Google does. But I think that there will be a lot of enthusiasts. And it's kind of been that OnePlus has been a you know an Android or you know phone enthusiast brand for a lot of years. So I'll be interested to see it. Um, I'm obviously going to be um, peer pressuring you into buying it. But I, th- I will be interested to see it and see how it performs as a first-generation device and kind of what I mean, your experience with it is to be fair it's not actually a first generation device i mean it is a it's the m3 it's their third generation foldable it's just the other two never got released in the states true, so true. It, it, it's not actually like the pixel fold is actually a first gen product this is actually like you know they've been iterating on this design for a few generations now and it sounds like it's literally just a rebadge job, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. But my, my, my guess is OnePlus, hey, I had a 7 Pro. It was a great phone. It was the only OnePlus I ever had. They had a few years in the wilderness after this, now where they weren't doing so well, but they came back really strong last year. I think the OnePlus 11 is an underrated phone. I, my guess is that I think from a hardware perspective, it'll probably eye shine. It's, it's thinner, too. Like, just for, I, I believe the, uh, it's, 14.3 for the fold five millimeters and i think the pixel is what 12.1 or something like that and the uh the, the rumor is that this one's just 11 millimeters which is very thin for a foldable it's extremely so thin I, I think that from a hardware perspective it'll end up being probably the most advanced of anything available in the united states and my guess is in the reviews what you'll see is that the software will not have all the bells and whistles that the Samsung phones have. Um, and, you know, I may not have as much as the Pixel, but we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what the software looks like. I would say the hardware the hardware looks to be pretty top-notch, probably the best of any of the book-style foldables in the United States this year. I think the wild card is the software, and we'll have to see what that looks like. Yeah, and I think we're kind of back where... Um... We were in the early days of kind of the candy bar phones with Android and the competitive nature of phones in this space where Google had the software, you know, OnePlus kind of had the hardware and the brute force hardware. And Samsung was kind of in the middle where their hardware is really good and their software is not terrible, or at least it hasn't been terrible for a little while now, um, although it used to be. But um, there's some really interesting dynamics that are going to be going on here because now as Samsung as we've talked about, maybe as they feel a little bit of competition from OnePlus, as they feel a little competition from Google, maybe they will be doing more. Maybe they will think about, 
hey, we need to um, kind of push the envelope here because that's really kind of what they've been known for. But as we kind of put a bow on this discussion, we talk about foldables. Like, what do you think the state of foldables is as we are here midway through 2023? Do you think it's relatively mature? Do you think that there's still, you know, a long way to go? Do you think that this kind of, you know, multiple form factors like Samsung's got the flip and they've got the fold, do you think that, you know, there's going to continue to be different styles and and types of folding phones that are coming out? Or or do you think, um, well, what do you think? Where do you think we are with foldables here in the year of our Lord 2023? Um, I think they are... Hmm. So I, I bring it into two categories. I think the book style foldable is for tech enthusiasts and people who really have productivity use cases and they're expensive and have downsides that probably the normal consumer doesn't care about relative to their price. So I think they're, you know, out there and I see them running around places. People definitely have them, but I think they're still relatively niche. And I think for a lot of people, they probably don't see it as, you know, worth the money. The flip style foldable is much more mainstream as I said I know it outsells the fold by quite a lot and I think there are actual real advantages there namely if you want a compact phone they didn't exist and this is these are more compact I mean you know it's a a phone that folds in half it's a square and it's pretty small when you have it in your pocket it's a little you know heavier and thicker still than a normal phone but still it's you know small relative and their price there's price parity with a normal candy bar phone and a flip style phone. And now that kind of all of them are moving to this much larger front screen where you can, you know, do a lot more things with them. I I think that removes, you know, one of the main downsides to those phones. So, you know, I would say foldables are, I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say they're mainstream because I don't, I still don't think they are, but I would say they're definitely out there. I think people are aware of them. I think, Probably for a lot of people, the reason to do it, especially the flip style, is more novelty than anything else. And we'll see. I was convinced that at one point, and this may still be the future state, that basically all phones will be foldables eventually. Um, but now I'm not as positive on that, or at least with the current technology, whether that will be the case. They still have creases, which I think turns some people off. They're still a little bit more expensive for the, again, the book style ones. And really, I, I think a lot of the mainstream adoption comes down to what Apple does with it. Apple will eventually come out with folding things. I, there's been a lot of rumors that it'll be an iPad first, some kind of folding iPad. But once they start doing it, then at that point, I think, you know, it really will mainstream things. And then we'll kind of see where we're at. Um, you bring up a good point because I think, you know, to a lot of people, especially in the U.S. market, you know, nothing is anything until Apple does it. And, you know, unless you're interested in $3,000 virtual reality headsets right now, um, that seems to be kind of the direction that Apple's going. It does seem to strike me as a little odd that AR VR, it was their next kind of product category and not a folding phone just because of the fact that Samsung kind of had the market cornered on that product for a while. Um, you know, and it's funny that you say, uh, you know, one day we'll all have foldable phones or at least you thought that way. Cause I used to be at one point in time, really big into the band zebra head. And I was famous for saying one day we will all have the heads of a zebra. Uh, and that turned out to not be true. So, you know, what the hell do I know? But I think that, I think foldables are interesting I still think we're, even with five generations of the Samsung devices, I still think we're in the very early stages of people seeing what they can do and being convinced that, you know, $1,800 is the right way to go um, for a phone and not like a phone plus a tablet plus, you know, a Bluetooth headset, uh, because that's normally what all that stuff costs. And it's almost laughable that you say, oh, yeah, the Flip 5 is at parity with... Um, you know, the starting price of most other phones these days. Because I, I very vividly ha- remember having a conversation with you cursing Samsung up and down. What? This phone is $999. What the hell is wrong? They will not sell any of these. They're damned. Curse them and crush them. 
because Apple was the only one who had gone to a thousand dollar price point with a phone, and now like nine ninety nine is basically pretty much what most flagship phones start at these days. Thanks inflation, but the end result is is I don't know. I think we're still very early on, um, even as many folding phones as we're going to have this year. I think we're still very early on in this product category. I'm excited to see where it goes, but I don't know. Um, I don't know that a lot of people think that the value prop is there. Uh, even for the um, flip devices, um, although I do think it's hilarious that Samsung is marketing the flip as like content creators and, you know, imagination people buy this phone because you can, you know, fold it at a 90 degree angle and take crazy selfies with it. Like if that's the selling point you have for that thousand dollar phone, I think you're missing the boat there. But, you know, I guess they got to try and do something because, you know, they do want to sell some of these they're already going to sell a lot of Galaxy phones, you know, the the S series, the Ultras, you know, one of their best-selling phones. Samsung makes a phone at every price point, every $100, between $100 and $1,800. So they're, they're going to sell a lot of phones regardless, but I do think that they need to do more. I do think that Samsung is going to be the market leader in this category probably for quite some time. And I think that as they go, so will the foldable market go and... I'm I'm excited. I, I'm really looking forward to owning a foldable phone, probably most likely in 2024. Um, but knowing that you own one and that you're going to have a OnePlus One allows me to vicariously live um, through you. So I'm excited for that too. And um, any other thoughts that you might have on the folding market uh, before we get ready to wrap it up? No, I mean, it's... Again, if people are worried about them being like overly fragile or like really different, I would just say don't. They're pretty similar and seem to be fairly robust. My issues notwithstanding. And actually, and, you uh, you mentioned that we both watched um, the Mr. Bobble, Michael Fisher's review of these, and he points that out in his review that he's intentionally not delicate with these. He uses them because he has both the flip and the fold. And he's, he daily drivers them. And he mentioned, like, they're tougher than you think. And I think that that is something that deserves um, recognition and is something that Samsung definitely should be lauded for. Yeah, and then there's something to just be, there, you know, there's something you said for they're just kind of fun. I mean, again, Mr. Noble says this all the time, right? That's Fisher's main thesis for a lot of the folding phones is they're fun. And yep. there is something about, you know, unfolding and folding a phone that is, more interesting than a normal candy bar phone, but it'll be interesting to see where the category goes. We, you know, Samsung's talked about tri-folding tablets and all kinds of things, and I think it's moved a little bit slower than I expected from the perspective of you know even on the fold five, we're still there's pretty the, the crease is pretty. It's still major. there. Yeah, it's still there. Um, and you know, obviously there's some limitations in kind of the technology that exists, but. Yeah, it'll get better and better, and before long, people will have tri-folding tablets, like from Westworld or something. So, I decided to see where it goes because it's the most interesting. Um, it, the most interesting things there isn't much left, right? Like yeah. I was just looking at the rumors for iPhones, and iPhone Apple's asking companies to develop uh, borderless OLEDs with under camera technology. So basically, within the next probably three to four years we'll have normal phones that are just all screen on the front with no bezel and no cameras that you can see um at which point i would say that form factor is pretty much maxed out because what can you do and then the folding side is where there will be at least some development still we'll get new technologies we'll get like micro led and other things but even at that that's it'll have better brightness and longevity and whatnot but even that's just kind of a a variation on a theme so as far as innovation is going to be concerned it's going to be foldables and um we'll see where it goes in the next few years and really it'll be really interesting to see what apple does yep for for sure it'll all you know samsung's long been known as the company that's willing to take risks and you know kind of do some really weird shit um you know note edge anybody but you know, it's it's when Apple jumps into the game that stuff start get stuff starts to get really real, and that's when the competition kind of like amps up for everybody because everybody knows um, Apple is like the 800 pound gorilla in the room. So, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it, and um, like I say, I think we've got uh, some pretty interesting stuff in our future, and um, and we'll be here to talk about it. <laughs>
Yeah, maybe in a couple of months, if I grab that other phone, we can, you know, after using it for a while, I can give you a more in-depth uh, comparison of um, what it's like versus a, a Fold. So, And I'm still going to try to lobby you to buy either the Pixel Fold or the Fold 5 just because I like trying to get other people to spend money. It's great. Right. I know that you do. And unfortunately, or fortunately, you've actually been pretty successful in my case for quite some time. So we'll see. Excellent. <laughs> All right, man. All right, Always dude. good chatting. Have a good Stay night. I'll see you tomorrow. All right, man. You too. Bye. And that's the show for this evening, everybody. Thanks again for listening. And remember, make sure that you tell a friend if you really enjoy the Silicon Theory podcast. Let everybody you know know about the show. I know that we're kind of hit or miss these days, but we're going to try and do some more episodes, some more interesting stuff in the near future. So if you've made it this long, thanks for sticking with us. We appreciate you. And remember, as always, we will talk tech again soon.